0: Welcome to Sermon Underwear, a podcast where we explore the conversations, stories, and situations that lead up to the sermons preached here at First Lutheran. This is Pastor Brian. And I'm Pastor Perry. And this week, as we're heading into the last Advent weekend before Christmas, uh, we're looking at the story of John the Baptist, and there's quite a lot of it in the Uh, Luke's gospel, he gives quite a lot of background on John, but we're going to look specifically here uh, in the podcast at Luke 1, beginning verse 57. When it was time for Elizabeth to have her baby, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her great mercy, and they shared her joy. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him after his father, Zechariah. But his mother spoke up and said, No, he is to be called John. They said to her, There is no one among your relatives who has that name. Then they made signs to his father to find out what he would like to name the child. He asked for a writing tablet, and to everyone's astonishment he wrote, His name is John. Immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak, praising God. The neighbors were all filled with awe And throughout the hill country of Judea, people were talking about all these things. Everyone who heard this wondered about it, asking, What then is this child going to be? For the Lord's hand was with him. So there's quite a lot of story that we could focus on with John the Baptist. So I just kind of wanted to start off with talking about uh, a little bit of the background around him. What are some of the Somewhat commonly known things about John the Baptist leading into this story. And the other thing I wanted to pick up, too, um, it seems like, as I've read again here leading into Christmas, getting ready for John the Baptist's birth this weekend, but looking at Jesus' birth story, too, there's a lot of parallels between John's birth narrative and Jesus' birth narrative, with angels coming to visit and lots of prophe- prophecies and predictions about these these two children, but what are kind of some common things, first things that come to mind when you think about John the Baptist?
1: Well, I guess one of the things, and and I'm not sure if I'm right now as I was listening to it, was the my thought that John and Jesus were, I know they're related somehow because it talks about Mary going to her relative Elizabeth, and I've always just tagged it as cousin, and I'm not exactly sure why I said cousin. The other thing that strikes me is that with Elizabeth and Zachariah, it seems very reminiscent to Abraham and Sarah, and how a messenger comes to them in their old age that says, you're going to have a child, and special circumstances again, that those things are happening to provide joy out of sorrow.
0: Yeah, there's so you've got Mary, who's a virgin, then you've got um, Elizabeth, who's in her old age, so likely would have been barren or unable to have kids at, at that point, I would assume. Um, kind of some parallels there I mentioned earlier with the um, the angels coming to visit. And the other thing, too, with Luke's gospel, I almost feel like he must have been a musician or something, because or I can imagine this whole first couple chapters of Luke being like a musical, because everybody hears good news, and then they burst into song. And <laughs> It's kind of like, <laughs> that's an interesting reaction to things, but I kind of wonder if there was, if this was a worship service at some point, or... Um, if it was played out as a drama and with people singing. But that always helps to carry the story, helps people remember too when they hear something set to tune or um, written in poetry. So kind of some neat connections between the two.
1: Yeah, that's a interesting thought, thinking about that being a musical.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So one of the things that I was picking up here, and we'll, we'll kind of work through this in the course of this podcast, hopefully looking at similarities, but then, so if they are similar, the birth of John and the birth of Jesus Christ, uh, what are the connections and and what are the differences there? And so what really got my attention as I was looking at this weekend coming up here, uh, verse 66 says, everyone who heard about this, about John's birth, wondered about it, asking, what is this child going to be? So I want to Put a question to you right here early on in the podcast, and you can pause and discuss here at this point if you're using it as a this podcast for conversation. But think for a moment and remember what did you want to be as a kid, or who did your parents want you to be as a kid? As you think back on that. So, Pastor Perry, I'm going to put that question to you. Do <laughs> you remember? what you wanted to be as a kid or maybe what your parents wanted you to be or what what you thought you were going to be?
1: Well, let's see. I think uh, I wanted to be a pilot or an astronaut, do some flying. I thought that would be a great thing to do. Also, farming, which are kind of different. I think my dad wanted me to be a farmer, at least uh, to help him do the work that we were doing other than that I don't know if they had any high expectations for me at all or not.
0: <laughs> okay. They didn't have anything where they said, "Yeah, he's going to be this when he grows up or or um... I don't think so. Yeah. How about you? Um for me, I remember as a kid I was I wanted to have horses, I guess for some reason. I don't really know that I dreamt of like doing anything with them other than I just thought, "Yeah, I want to have a horse that I can ride around." you know, not thinking about all the chores that would go with having it as a kid. Um, and I remember as a kid, too, that a lot of people, for whatever reason, thought that I was going to be a uh, a police officer or a judge. Um, so I'm not exactly sure. I, I think I had a strict adherence to the rules when I was a kid and really felt strongly that other people should be following the rules, too. So that's <laughs> that's probably where that idea So you're going to make them follow it one way or another. I'm going to be some kind of law enforcement role. Yeah. Um, I was thinking, though, in in reading this text, that's what came up to me. There's so much, uh, both in the songs that were sung, and the prophecy that came with each of these children, with Jesus especially, but also with John, so much expectation behind who they were going to be or who they were going to become before they'd even been born into this world. So again, that question— um, what then is this child going to be, they ask about, when when John is born. So my next question with that is, we kind of know in this podcast just simply from the the introduction that my first question was, what did you want to be when you grew up, or what did other people want you to be? And so my next question is, is that who you are now, uh, and if not, what changed?
1: Hmm. What changed? Uh, Well, I think initially for me, as I looked at what it would take to be an airline pilot, because I actually did look into that and the guidance counselor said, well, to to really be an airline pilot, you're going to need to go into the Air Force to get enough hours flying before you'll ever be able to qualify to fly commercially. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think I really want to go into the Air Force.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I heard you had, to, I wanted to fly um, a helicopter at one point too, and I learned you had to have like really good vision to do that. And it's like, mm, okay.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm I'm out there too. Yeah. So farming, that is what I did uh, for quite a while and still do so uh, to a little, to a small degree at this point. But what changed was, I guess, God's calling of me and the sense that what I was doing wasn't what I really should be doing, and God directing that path to to get me where he wanted me to be. And so for me, being a pastor feels more right than farming
0: did. For myself, I don't own horses. I never have. <laughs> I came to a point where I was strongly uh, convinced by family who did have horses that that was not financially a good choice. <laughs> Um, well,
1: and for, for me, I'm, I'm just chuckling as you're talking about having horses. I never really wanted to have horses, and marrying Anne, she had horses. And so I got to have horses and, and rode a little bit. And really, just have this great fear of horses. That um, <laughs> that it took me a, a, a while to get over that fear. I Actually, took lessons because I would get on a horse and literally start shaking, oh. because because or trembling because so many bad things had happened to me on horses. Oh man! And so we, I took lessons at a at a horse arena, and, and five or six lessons, I finally was actually comfortable on a on a horse.
0: Wow. That's commitment right there. <laughs> so the idea of being a a judge or law enforcement, I guess in some capacity, I do that uh, to a degree as a pastor too. You know, uh, preaching the good news means in part having a good understanding of the law and uh, where we've broken it or gone astray, and finally, our inability to keep the law brings us to the point of getting to share the good news with people. You know that our relationship with God is not dependent on our ability to fulfill or keep the law, thanks be to God. (laughs) Um, So getting a better understanding of that over the course of time, and I guess to some degree that's a a judge has to have, well, a judge especially has to have a strong understanding of the law, how it works, where it's been broken. So then talking about the change too, and that's what I was thinking about in the story, in the course of John the Baptist's lifetime, how the expectations and the hopes around him changed, uh, both, I'm guessing for himself, but also for the people around him. So when John grew up, he had this great following, um, and and the big prophecy around him or the big expectation around him was he was the one who was going to prepare the way for the coming of the Lord. And he did it so well that we learn going forward in Scripture that some people even thought that he's it. He's Christ. Uh, This is the one. John's the one that we've been looking for, which John uh, has to— Correct or redirect their expectations about him. But it also kind of intrigued me that there's so much uh, hope and expectation about who John is and how great he's going to be. That then, as it comes to the end of John's life, his story is uh, well, he's very good at pointing out where people have gone astray from Scripture and God's hopes and directions for him, so much so that he gets too much attention. And uh, one of the heads the Roman governments, he's criticizing them, and they say, enough with you, off to prison you go. And the last little bit we get of John here in Luke's gospel is a question that's been sent. uh, Someone has come to visit John in prison and now have brought his question to Jesus, are you the one that we've been looking for? Which really intrigued me because we get John the Baptist is all leading up to his birth. There's all this uh, background about him being First Elizabeth and then John being filled with the Holy Spirit. So here you've got John the Baptist, the one who's sent to prepare the way for the Lord, the one who's filled with the Holy Spirit. And the last thing we get from him in Luke's gospel is something completely unexpected to me with all of that setup and background that he then sends a question to Jesus. Are you the one or should we be waiting for somebody else? And so where where I'm thinking about direction for the sermon this week is how much expectation there is around the story of who we are, stories that other people tell us about who they hope we should be or their expectations about us and personal hopes and expectations for ourselves, and how much weight comes with that. Uh, I read a a book a while ago by a guy named Daniel Pink called When, and he was talking about how the way that people remember or evaluate a, a person is often weighted on what they did at the end of their life. So they could be an absolutely horrible person, but if they did some wonderful deed or act at the end of their life, they're often historically remembered uh, as having been a successful or kind or good person. Or there was another example that he gave, and I might pull in a few of these illustrations this weekend, but someone had spent the majority of their life just doing, uh, you know, they were a a musician and they did wonderful things all throughout their life, but then kind of towards the end of their life, they got into an accident and uh, had a, a brain condition that came out of that, that then led to them doing some things at the end of their life that they were then remembered in spite of all the the wonderful things that they had done as a horrible person. So that kind of last bit of life often puts a lot of weight on how a person is remembered. So then looking back at John here, (laughs) who did, who prepared the way of the Lord, and then his last thing is to float this question out there, are you it? or should we wait for somebody else, you know, to have that doubt interjected in there, could cause us to uh, put a lot of weight on John's life. You know, that's that's not how John is generally remembered, but I've been chatting away here for a while, so.
1: So here would be a a few thoughts that come to my mind in terms of that question that John's posing. First one that, that would come to my mind is that he may be sitting in prison, and going, okay, Jesus, if you are the one, um, I could use a little help help. (laughs) here. You know, let's let's get me out of here. Let's get whatever's going on going to happen so I can help you and I can be a part of this. Because this is looking a little desperate here. So that would be one thought that goes through my mind and a thought as to why Jesus doesn't help him. And in a sense, it might be that John was just to be there to prepare the way and then he needed to depart from the scene so that so that Jesus could then be be fully known the other part might be that that question is asked more for for us so that Jesus can answer it and the answered question is what do you see the deaf are being healed the blind can see the Poor, being fed, you know. Jesus goes off on this list of things, and it's the list of things that the Messiah was supposed to be doing. And
0: he's like, uh, "Yep, look at what look at what's happening." You said something that made me think of this, and I was looking to see if I could find it here in Luke's Gospel. It, it doesn't appear here, um, but I think it's in a different gospel where John says that he, he must increase, I must decrease. Yeah, And that makes me think of a a really—so we're talking about John the Baptist, again, filled with the Holy Spirit, preparing the way of the Lord. I had a teacher one time explain to me the work of the Holy Spirit, or then the work of John the Baptist here is to—the Holy Spirit is the spotlight, and what it does is it shines on Jesus Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So as you think about John's career and and building up, and then Christ enters onto the scene, and then shortly thereafter— John's kind of out of the picture, and the focus then is all on Christ from that point, too. Even the question kind of pulls the attention, the last bit of attention from John and on to Christ. That kind of takes me to another place, too, that I want to talk about how God works relief in all of this, in all of this expectation, whether it's expectation that we put on ourselves or others put on us as to who we should be or what we should be in our lives or did we do. Did we live a life that at the end of it people will look back on and say wow yeah you know look at them and that whole question gets at the who is the spotlight on is it on me and all the things that i've done in my life or is the spotlight on christ and while initially you know the the idea of the spotlight not being on me could be hurtful for someone who does get to the end of their life and says well i worked hard to get here you know finally The good news or the judgment on our life, I would find peace anyway in that that light being on Christ and not on myself. We've kind of got this theme here in Advent, too, of the light of Christ coming into our lives, and it's interesting to look at that through the story of John, that his whole calling was to point to Jesus Christ.
1: Yeah, and in our services, uh, the light has been increasing each week. And so the darkness is going away, the light is increasing, and it's kind of a neat play on this story of John the Baptist, him decreasing, Christ increasing, to really help us to see who Christ is and what what his message for us is.
0: Yeah, I think the candle this week is peace. Yeah, on the right peace. track. Yeah, and that is as I as we're just kind of talking through this story and and the application of it here. That does bring me peace, you know, to think that the spotlight is on Christ. When it comes to God looking at me or you listening to this, when it comes to God looking at your life, the spotlight is on Christ. And that brings me a whole lot of peace (laughs) because I don't want the spotlight on. I know there's a lot there, but I also know that with the spotlight on Christ, he's got it taken care of, you know.
1: Yeah, exactly. I was just trying to remember what the— the dark candle is is that chaos so the difference between chaos and peace just that unsettled feeling of things aren't right and to have things feel right and in the right place gives that sense of peace and the right you're talking about judging and to have things judged in the right place or to judge that yes this is good this is right this is where where it should be
0: and to know Christ is going to get that right for yeah, us. Yeah,
1: you're right, that it's not you or I, it's Christ and the Holy Spirit doing it within us. So one thought that I had when when you were talking about what are you going to be, you know, and what do people expect, I was thinking about, and so this goes back for, so if kids are listening to it, they're probably not going to get it, but our generation in back a little bit. Archie Manning was a good quarterback for, I think it was the Saints when they first started out and then he had two sons and both those sons were starting quarterbacks in the NFL and the expectation that that those sons would have after having a dad that was an NFL quarterback just just weird thought that came to my mind.
0: Yeah, that's a good example. I mean, even in my little hometown high school football team, there was the expectation, well, both your brothers were good, so you've obviously, you've got the genes, you've got everything you need, you know, and it was was not the case. (laughs)